back to Tay Learning. My name is Danny. And I'm Olivia. We are your co-hosts. And if there is one thing that you need to know about Taylor Swift, it's that she was born in 1989. Before we begin, I was born in 1989. Today, we're going to be talking about the 1989 World Tour, which I did want to go see because I really liked the album when it came out, even though like, I wasn't a crazy Swifty, but I couldn't because I was a college student that was cripplingly broke. So even if even if I'd like really, really <laughs> wanted to, there wasn't a world where I could have made it work because I didn't even have a credit card. So Right. I pr- I think this is one of the eras where I became the most blase about Taylor Swift. I simply did not have an opinion about 1989. I it didn't vibe with 1989 when it came out, but I didn't explicitly think it was bad. I had zero opinion. I did not care straight up so, so I didn't even, to think that I know <laughs> it just that was the era that I stopped being able to relate to her at that point in my life and now in retrospect I really like that era and I would love it now but even if I was into Taylor Swift it wasn't my vibe that's fair I know that that was really when you did disconnect because of you know some of the stuff that she does in this tour even her supermodel friends yeah. and how she presented herself with, and we'll get into the sensitivity of this topic, again, content warning for eating disorders, but she Mm -hmm. was presenting herself differently and she was acting differently. And it was a very far cry from the red era, which did come before this, but 2.28 million people attended this tour. So (laughs) a lot of people did get to see it. Yeah. And I had never watched it all the way through until we literally hopped on the phone call together and played the YouTube video together and watched the whole thing. It was so good. If you haven't seen it, watch it. If you have problem with flashing lights and cameras moving around quickly, take medication beforehand because the filming decisions that were made (laughs) crack me up during this. They they didn't rest on Taylor for more than a second (laughs) during some of her songs. I was so confused. I was like, thank God. Thank like, God I that I'm okay with see her face. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, it, the editing decisions were very <laughs> of their time, I guess. Reputation, the Reputation Tour that's on Netflix gets a lot of love and it deserves yes. the love. But Olivia pointed out, I wonder if, or she wonders, now I wonder, if the <laughs> 1989 World Tour would have gotten just as much love if it were available widely on a streaming platform like Netflix or Hulu. Right. Even though it's free on YouTube, it's not pushed it's out as an advertisement you no know, like the reputation stadium tour on netflix is treated like a comfort taylor swift movie in the same way that the folklore long pond studio sessions on disney plus are treated because we have access to those they're readily available they're really easy to just pick up you know your remote and click on it whereas even though i watch youtube on my tv it's really difficult to search things and i don't know it's more tedious I agree. And 1989, you know, it's my baby. So I was really excited. I think this tour has some of her best live performances of all time. Agreed. I can't wait to get into it. And I think that really the best way to do it is to start from the top of the tour. And we're going to talk it through pretending like we are on tour with you. We're at the show. (laughs) If you're listening, pretend like you're there with us. 
or honestly play the tour along at home and play yeah. the song and then listen to our commentary that could yes, be a- I think that's the best way to do it honestly speaking of <laughs> let me just pull it up so I can visualize it because we watched this tour together a few days ago at this point we all we both took notes during it but I'm gonna pull it up on my YouTube and just kind of have it there in case something pops up that I forgot about you know what's crazy is that if that leaked thing about Good Morning America, her being on Good Morning America to announce something on Thursday is correct, this episode might not even air next week because it might be a single reveal. I sure hope it's a single. The closer and closer we get to the release of Midnight's, the more and more I think we're just not going to get a single. Dude, that would be so mean. That would be so... Why does she bully us like this? Yeah, and I don't know. I think back to the lover era, like, you know, Olivia does every day of her life. And <laughs> me came out in like April or April something. before we even knew the, the name of Lover, the album. She's so unpredictable. She never does it the same. And, you know, as we've talked before and we will continue to talk about, that's part of the reason why she remains the phenomenon that she does is because she is so incredibly unpredictable. It's one of the most endearing things about her. It's one of the most amazing things about her. And as a fan, it's one of the things that pisses me off the most. It's so hard. It's so hard. But she randomly dropped those signed posters and CDs the other night. Like I call Olivia right after she drops that TikTok <laughs> and Olivia answers the phone. I shit you not. She answers the phone with, what did she do? It's <laughs> that exact tone. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. This is me clowning. It feels like one of those nights we will be sleeping. <laughs> Every night until Midnight's is released. And even after Midnight's is released. Because who yeah. knows what crazy shit she's going to do after it's released. Yeah, I'm scared after this lead up to Midnight's. Because I need to start going to bed at a decent time for my mental health. I can't be sleeping in until like 10 a.m., 11 a.m. every day. So therefore, I need to like go to bed at 10 p.m. I, I want to be that type of girl that wakes up at 7 a.m. And is like, oh, good morning world let me drink my coffee on my porch that's what I want to me that's the epitome of good mental health okay and that is like what I, I it's idolize. not possible that's- with Taylor it- Swift no it's not and I'm terrified because I feel for all those Swifties who decided to go to bed at a reasonable time this past Sunday night and they missed those signed things which <sighs> if it makes those people feel better they're not signed CDs they have a signed CD insert so the signed cds will be coming probably far later but it's still a piece of paper that taylor swift held in her hand and breathed on and wrote her name on for 20 bucks it's about the best deal you're ever gonna find yeah so i feel for those people i could not imagine i'd be devastated i'd be devastated too i was not up at midnight on sunday yeah, welcome for giving you a call. You would have seen it, I'm sure, but yeah, but they sold out in what 30 minutes. Yeah. Two of the I variants was sold out. Washing my face and trying to go to bed when you called me. So the 1989 World Tour video was filmed in Sydney, Australia. Nor <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had to do <laughs> the Cleo. <laughs> Cleo. Emma. How do you do the Australian? No, this is not related. But Peach PRC on TikTok, who's from Australia, was like, you guys don't understand what it's like to be Australian saying no, nor I'm chewing on those vowels. I'm eating. The mermaid show. Yeah. 
H2O, just add water. They do. They do. They do. I don't know how many times in this podcast I'm going to mention that I studied abroad, but evidently more than I thought that I would. But when I was living in Australia. (laughs) But like they did, it's nor. And if I tell you what, if this tour had happened today, if this tour had happened today, there is no world where Taylor Swift would not have made a nor comment on stage. We have Australian listeners. I know you're out there. I know that you're listening. And and you are fully like, fully have the right to make fun of anything that we say. Yes. Because please. I'm sure we say dumb shit too. And we say things in a dumb way. Absolutely. We do. <laughs> they get so mad because aluminum is spelled aluminium. And like, that's the original spelling. So they're like, it's not aluminum, it's aluminium. And I'm like, how about we just shut up? Aluminum. <laughs> aluminum. Aluminium. Like, but we see you. We know you're out there. I know you're listening in Adelaide and Melbourne. I see you. I know you're there. Nar. <laughs> anyway, we called out Bosnia on an episode. We have to do another country. <laughs> Might as well be Australia. <laughs> so it's in Sydney. And the intro video is so cool and flashy because like it's almost like you're flying on a drone through a city but there aren't buildings in the city it's like there are just lights and it's very trippy if you are high on a substance (laughs) this could be a very great or a very horrible experience and I'm not sure which it's very trippy I feel like she was definitely trying to emulate the way she felt as you know red era Taylor deciding to move from Nashville to New York City because that's what she did in her personal life during this time, which inspired the opening track, Welcome to New York. And I think she did a great job at, like I said, emulating what it feels like to wander into New York City for the first time and be wide-eyed. And everything seems so flashy and shiny. I agree. Her jacket. Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm like zoning out watching her right mm-hmm. now. No, you're good. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to look up the video so that I can like watch it along with you. I agree. And again, the filming is really choppy. That cannot be stated enough, but it's very fun. She's got this red lip on and she is actually dancing better than she has in the past. People like to make fun of Taylor Swift's dancing, but it's actually very well choreographed. I think when she has good choreography, she nails it. And her dancers are really good on this tour. Like her dancers were on top of it. Oh yeah. I mean, her dancers on most tours are on top of it, but I feel like it's the the choppy filming goes with the choppy dancing and it's intended to be choppy dancing. It's messy and it's supposed to be. Probably one of my goofier comments about her intro of Welcome to New York is those sunglasses are so 2014, 2015. <sighs> They are. Those glasses did not age well. (laughs) And it's the same glasses that were on the cover of the poster for the 1989 world tour where she's like holding her glasses like up at her face. It's those exact same mid 2010s glasses. Like I was in Greek life during this time and we all had those glasses and we thought they were cool. We thought they were so cool. And I look back and I just want to crawl in the hole. Well, after Welcome to New York, It moves on to a bonus track from 1989, which is also my favorite Taylor Swift song of all time, New Romantics. This is where she does her I Was Born in 1989 little mini monologue. This is such a fun performance. I think that she loves New Romantics. I really do. I don't know why she made it a bonus track. Yeah, I can't believe you didn't make the original cut. 
especially since it was her second song on tour. Like, it's obvious that she loves this song and she's having so much fun singing it. She released it as a single, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and she does this like boxer pose that my roommate keeps doing around the house because she watched it with us but when every day is like a battle she's like leaning back and forth like with this boxer pose happening and it's so fun she's enjoying herself <laughs> I have a quote from you when we were watching it together you said this song basically feels like being in your 20s and I think that's perfect and for me down to her outfit She's wearing this skater skirt that's metallic with this crop top with like some cutouts on the side, a black um, tank top thing, and these black boots. And that's like exactly what I wore out to bars in my early <laughs> 20s. <laughs> that outfit is very, very 2015 as well. Literally, that's such a good way to put it. I know that I said it, but this song does feel like being in your 20s. And I hope that this is still my favorite Taylor Swift song forever just because I love it so much, but it just invokes so much nostalgia for me and such a, like the feeling that she talks about in 22, happy, free, confused, and lonely at the same time is embodied mm-hmm. in New Romantics. Yeah. It's so fun. I just love watching her strut around too. Me too. She's having so much fun. Contrast, like her strutting around, she is just dripping confidence and borderline cockiness like her stage presence her stage former that she puts on is super contrast when when she finishes new romantics she goes hi guys i'm taylor yeah no (laughs) shit awkwardly (laughs) like who's that girl that was just strutting around because the hi i'm taylor not her. that isn't her <laughs> after she performs new romantics in the in the video she kind of talks about the mind behind blank space and all right which we all know that song is a satirical song based on the what the media said this girl is just dating for sport and so she wanted to play into it which was a great idea because it did create blank space which is one of her biggest songs of all time no doubt it's beautiful because she loop pedals during it and if you don't know what a loop pedal means she sings a line pedals it like hits it with the pedal and that allows that piece to loop so she's able to harmonize on top of herself i will yes, put a clip that in iconic loop that has gone viral on swift talk several times it's kind of one that a swift talk joke has kind of developed whenever they hear that the boys only want love if it's torture line and blink space. Everyone goes, Sydney. Because she's shouting out Sydney, the city, like Sydney. Sydney. <laughs> Sydney. Like, it's so catchy. Sydney. Let me hear that back. Sydney. And I know that she said she wanted this performance of blank space to kind of replicate the music video. And I think she did a really good job with that. She did. I mentioned this while Olivia and I were watching this, though. When I was a senior in high school, I did a theatrical performance of The Drowsy Chaperone, and I was Janet Vandegraaff. And if you don't know theater, you don't know what this means, but that character in the musical has a full mental breakdown in the middle of the song on stage. Like, I was, like, forcing tears, smacking the ground. My hands were shaking. I was having a mental breakdown on stage because that's what the character has. Mm-hmm. I wish that I'd seen more of a mental breakdown. There is a performance later that we'll touch on where I was like, that seems like more of the mental breakdown I wanted. 
But the music video, she has this awesome mental breakdown and I wanted her smacking the ground. I wanted her tearing off her clothes. I wish that I had seen more of the emotional breakdown halfway through the song than I did. Yeah. I feel like the entire performance on the tour was more of a replication of the beginning part of the music video. Agreed. So like sexy, saucy. Mm-hmm. And a siren. It feels like she's a siren, a black widow. Yeah. And it's hot and it's awesome, but it's not the mental breakdown I wanted. <laughs> After that, there's this clip again in, in the movie version where she kind of talks about the guests that she's had on tour. And she had so many guests on oh, this tour. <laughs> it was very important to her to bring in everybody that she could and share the experience of being in front of thousands of people each night, 70,000 plus people. And so many different types of people, so many different types of artists. Like she had Wiz Khalifa and then Steven Tyler and then Nick Jonas and then Fetty Wap and then Idina Menzel, Selena Gomez, Ellie Gold. Lord, like, Sam Hunt, Mick Jagger, yeah, Justin Timberlake, Mary J. Blige, Imagine Dragons. We could go on forever. We could. She even did an entire show, her show in London, which <laughs> I, I would have been so mad if this were my show, I'm going to be honest. No no shade to these individuals, but the show was just a bunch of models, particularly Victoria's Secret models that were catwalking, which is awesome. I mean, that's still cool. That's still fun that there were special guests. But like if I found out that somebody else got Justin Timberlake and Selena Gomez in the same night and I just got models catwalking in front of me, I would have flipped my lid. I bet the Swifties that really followed Taylor's life that was exciting for them because at the time Carly Kloss was Taylor's best friend and Carly was one of the ones that came out and like catwalked because she was a Victoria's Secret model so it was kind of Taylor bringing on stage her like best friends and if she were still friends with people like that and I knew about them and I liked them too that would be exciting but I mean, personally, that was one of the reasons why I couldn't connect with Taylor Swift during 1989 was all her supermodel friends. Yeah, it was kind of isolating. Earlier in that year, she had done the Victoria's Secret fashion show, which no longer exists, but she had been the performer for that. And I remember I went to a Victoria's Secret fashion show party in my college town for some reason at one of the bars. They were doing giveaways and stuff. And I remember seeing her perform and she was with all of those models and she looked like one of the models and she is gorgeous and she's got that build but it was troubling to see because taylor swift's job isn't to be a model isn't to physically represent that her job is to be an entertainer and a performer a lyricist those things Mm -hmm. and it's just very weird to see her as indistinguishable from the other models on stage when that's not literally her job yeah and the thing that called me in to the fandom originally when i was a teenager was how relatable Taylor Swift was and as soon as she started hanging out with a bunch of Victoria's Secret models basically girls that did not present as relatable it was hard for me to continue being a super fan but at the same time Taylor Swift kind of went through grade school struggling to make friends or make long-lasting friends at least I mean if I hit a point where I felt like now I suddenly have these seemingly cool friends I'd want to show that off too so at the same time I feel for her and that obviously this was an act of her insecurities not that she doesn't look great not that they don't look great it just was felt very out of character yeah I also I just realized that in the Foxborough show on July 25th 2015 the special guest for MKTO MKTO sings classic I've met MKTO twice, so basically, I'm so close to Taylor Swift. 
You met someone that met Taylor Swift. I met someone that met Taylor Swift. Actually, I've met multiple people that I guess that have met Taylor Swift, but MKTO performed on stage with Taylor Swift and I met them in 2013 and 2014. So basically we're just besties. I love that. (laughs) After her little blurb about the guests that she's had on stage, she performs I Knew You Are Trouble, which was such a good performance. One of her best performances of I Knew You Were Trouble, I think. Oh, yeah, 100%. First of all, these men that are on stage dancing with her are sweaty as hell. They are dripping. (laughs) I'm not unconvinced that they didn't lube them up just to make this performance so much sexier. But wow, it's so good. (laughs) And And this is almost like borderline reputation-y vibes. I mean, I knew you were trouble always had an edge to it anyway, but she made it even more edgy. Oh, yeah. And she's like on her knees and she screams. This is the blank space breakdown that I wanted. She like holds her hand up and says, stop, you know, (laughs) just stop to the men. And she is dancing and she looks hot and she looks great. And then she gets sweaty and then she screams and then she has an emotional (laughs) breakdown. And it's just, this is all to red lighting, like really deep, intimate red and like fog. And it's very red because it was on red. (laughs) It's sensual. It's intense. I love the way that this is cut in the sense of like, it's her performing this intense song. And then it cuts to her being like, so the way that I wanted to do this song, like it's two different people. Literally. I feel like who she is on stage. It's like Beyonce having Sasha Fierce be her stage presence. I feel like I would need to develop a sassy character in my brain to play out when I perform. Yeah. If nothing else, then to protect me so that I don't in my personal life become like that stage persona. After she does, I knew you were trouble. She has this little blurb about how she was so certain that red was going to win a Grammy. And I know that red is her baby. And she was really upset when red didn't win that Grammy, but random access memories by Daft Punk one and random access memories had get lucky on it, which was huge. In 2013, 2014, that's why it won. Not because just because it had a viral song, but Daft Punk has always been a really good artist, but Mm -hmm. it sounded like red, random access memories. They rusted on that R and you can see when they announce it, they have little videos of all the artists' faces that were nominated and Taylor's turns really hopeful. And then you can see when they finally say the whole word, like even though it was a a very, very slight pause, very slight in that moment i'm sure she thought she had it in the bag yeah as olivia pointed out when we were watching this together if red had won if red had won that grammy we would not have 1989 yeah because she goes on to describe how after that night when red lost album of the year she came home cried a little bit and then had a dream woke up and was like i know what i need to make it has to be completely different and made 1989. Which is so funny because she says in Miss Americana, her documentary, that after Reputation didn't win any awards, she's like, I have to switch gears. I need to make a better record. She's too she, hard on herself. She but loves I mean, she, accolades. 
produces great things when she gets a little discouraged. I love to love her, even though that didn't get the love it deserved. Yeah. And then she releases Folklore, which becomes album of the year and just yeah. eponymous with the pandemic. I'm so nervous for what Midnight's is going to be. Me too. It's going to be different. Or at least that's what I anticipate. Especially since she forgets that Evermore exists. Justice Forevermore. <laughs> Justice Forevermore. So up next, she performs I Wish You Would. I don't even know what my notes say. So first of all, what the fuck's going on with the monkey bars in the background? That guy does like 17 flips in a row. Is he okay? He <laughs> before this. I need to know what's going on. And then I wrote the word stand back wasted. She, yeah, that's a misheard lyric. I thought it was I, stand back wasted. I wish you would. I wish you would. It's not that. It's stand back where you stood. Stand I back wish where you stood. I wish you would. Stood. I've been saying stand back wasted. In 1989 is my favorite album. Stand back wasted. I wish you would. Why did she say it so fast? For the lyricist of our time, you think she could have found something that flowed better. The thing is, like, stand back wasted. I wish you would. I wish you would. Like, borderline doesn't make sense. But I literally, when I miss hear Taylor Swift lyrics, I just think that she knows more about yep. the English language than I do. 100%. When she says, I'm just like, stupid and I don't get it. Your touch brought forth an incandescent glow, tarnished but so grand. Don't really know what she means by that, but she's smarter than me. Dumb. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm just a dumbass. Every and Taylor time Swift I miss omniscient. Hear a lyric. <laughs> Every time I miss hear a lyric, it's just because I think I'm dumb. I put <laughs> and back wasted in all caps. I fucking hate myself. All right. You're like, why did I put that? <laughs> now I get it. Because uh-huh. I mentioned that that was one of my more recent misheard lyrics that I discovered. And you're like, what do you mean it's misheard lyric? Uh, spoiler alert, we will be doing a Misheard Lyrics episode. So It'll be a fun one. It'll be a fun one. I can't wait to dive into that. <laughs> she performs How You Get the Girl next. I think it was Rebecca, my roommate, that said that it feels like singing in the rain on drugs like they're just going around flipping umbrellas and something that taylor swift does that's awesome is in between her like outfit changes and stuff she's not just having the stage be black her dancers are out there doing stuff to keep people entertained while she's doing her two minute quick change of an outfit and her outfit's really cute but it's probably my least favorite of this tour she's wearing a high-waisted knee length dress with some tools so it has a little bit of shape to it and it's glow in the dark or it has lights there's a bunch of lights on it she has this like bando style crop top and it's cute but that's it it's cute she just performed a super sexy performance of i knew you were trouble and then comes out in this like baby pink knee length outfit it's definitely a contrast but it feels like it's not as mature as she's trying to portray herself at this agreed the top feels like 1989 and the bottom feels like speak now yeah but it's fine she looks great she always looks great the performance itself doesn't super stand out to me but she does go into i know places which stands out to me. one of my favorites on 1989. When she does the And We Run scream. And we run! 
also my roommate said she just had the funniest commentary during this they bring out <laughs> these like doors that are used as props and rebecca says it's giving monsters inc it literally is i i was a little bit disappointed by the i know places performance i wanted more for that song that song deserved better uh the doors were definitely awkward but this is her iconic 1989 world tour outfit it's you know that white crop top with the bedazzled neckline and then the white shorts that match in her thigh high black boots it's very cute it's so 2014 2015 oh yeah she goes in to perform all you had to do was stay She had like this chair that she was using and dancing on. She's still in that iconic outfit. The performance, once again, doesn't super stand out to me. Although there is this point where she like leans back on the chair at the end of the song and like throws her arm above her head and is looking very like intentionally sexy, which is interesting. Not bad, interesting. Also, she's got these eyes on the screen behind her that just look insane. It's like giving the great Gatsby. And it's such a fun song. So I feel like... Even though her performance wasn't as memorable as others on this tour, it's still super fun. Yeah, it's definitely she's enjoying herself. As we know, this song was written soon after Harry Styles had left her on that boat. So it was written with a lot of passion and performed (laughs) with a lot of passion because it was written in January of 13. And this is two and a half years later. She's healed. She's clean, if you will. So now it's just fun. Exactly. In the tour movie, she performs See You Again with Wiz Khalifa. which had like run the world at this point she does her such voice a voice sounds so good oh um, yeah she did a great job performing that song she intercuts mm-hmm. her performances with her special guests throughout this entire concert film basically yeah. But this is one of my favorites because her vocals are just insane. And that song is so emotional. And I said this while we were watching it on the phone together. I wish Taylor would show off her vocal ability more on her recordings that get played on the radio. Because I feel like a lot of the people who don't like Taylor or just have ammunition of bad things to say about Taylor, one of the top ones is she's not even a good singer. And I think she plays it so safe on her recordings that she can't she doesn't really show off the vocalist that she is it's no secret she doesn't have a range like Demi Lovato or Ariana Grande that's not a secret at all but her voice is really powerful when she plays it the right way and her live performances are a perfect example of that and I really wish she showed off a little bit more in her original recordings I understand why she plays it safe for radio play and stuff but but like her performance on see you again I think is one of the best ways to showcase her vocal abilities you can throw her on that song and she sounds perfect her next song is you are in love such a pretty song and she played it acoustic just her and the guitar and she's like getting raised up in the air she's strapped in to make sure that she doesn't like fall to her death 
and you can hear like this echo. And not only that, can you hear an echo? She asks the audience to echo. So she gives them instructions and says, when I say this, I want you to echo it back to me. You can hear it in the silence, 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 silence. <laughs> so it's beautiful. And it's a great way to get the audience engaged. And then um, it's a good place to note that this is the song that she would switch out for different locations. So the few songs that she switched it out for included Wonderland, which oh, I've been so good. Holy Ground, You Belong With Me, 15, Mean, Sparks Fly, Fearless, Should Have Said No, Never Grow Up. She did a performance of Ronan, All Too Well, Red, Mine, and Long Live. Wow. She really did mix it up. Yeah, I think she, it looks like she did 15 in Kansas City, Danny. Ooh. Did she perform twice in Kansas City? Did she? Because that also says You Belong With Me was in Kansas City. Oh, no shit. She did perform twice in Kansas City. Two nights, September 21st and September 22nd, 2015. Two in Kansas City. Shout out to the Kansas City Swifties. So after that... While she's still up in the air, she does like my second favorite Taylor Swift song of all time, Clean. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's... and her intro speech, I feel like, was equally as beautiful as the performance. It almost made me super sad to listen to her saying the things she was saying, knowing that 2016 was coming and was going to rock her world. Yeah, there's this entire master post online that you can find of her speeches before Clean because they were pretty much similar, but not exactly the same before each show. And mostly it was just, you're not damaged goods. No matter what people say about you, you are beautiful, you are great. And in the end, you are clean. So definitely sad in retrospect. Then 2016 happened to her and she didn't post anything for a year. But she knows what it's like to be clean and she performs it. And it's a beautiful, stunning performance. And it makes me sad every time. So after she completes clean, she completely shifts gears and goes into this like synth pop version of love story like an, if if love story was released in 1989 i really like this version i feel like it was a really good vibe and i know that we were talking while we were actively watching it that we wish she would have released this as like a remix or something i think she would have had to do more with it to release it as just a song on its own i feel like a lot of the beauty in it is the performance too oh absolutely and it's a very cool version to like watch happen because she's on this spinning like pedestal thing it's the same thing she was performing you are in love and clean on, but it's like mm-hmm. spinning around the audience so that she can get close to everyone who's on the ground mm-hmm. and closer to people up in the grandstand. It's very cool. And she looks so pretty. She's like playing the keyboard during it too. And we all know Taylor's drama when she's playing a keyboard or piano. Because she is dramatic. <laughs> and yeah, she looks ethereal. It's really nice. I need to know what makeup she uses because it stayed 
on. It really did. We need to do like a makeup deep dive or something with all the makeup products that she recommends and people say that she uses. Absolutely. After she performs Love Story, it's this, in retrospect, kind of awkward moment in the film because there's this really cute thing about girls supporting girls and we want to be a superhero team together and there's lots of people in it. There's Lena Dunham, there's Selena Gomez, there's Haim, mm-hmm. there's Carly Kloss. There's Carly Kloss. Who she's not really... <sighs> You can tell that they're not friends because Scooter Braun came to Carly Kloss's wedding. That's how you know that they're not friends anymore. (laughs) And if you need the Scooter Braun background, don't forget to listen to the Masters Controversy parts one and two. Yep. But it's kind of awkward because there's like Carly Cam where she's recording. Carly Mm -hmm. Kloss is recording her and Taylor during like private moments, getting ready for the tour and messing around and stuff like that. And it makes me sad to look back at because Olivia, you and I have had friendship fallouts before, and it's really difficult to look back on the fun times without it being fully tainted by the way that it ended. I can't imagine having such a public friendship go so south, too. Oh, yeah. People loved Taylor and Carly as best friends. Yeah. They did everything together. Like, Carly was her plus one to award shows during her era where she wasn't dating anybody because she dates too many boys. (laughs) it's really it's like alarmingly sad because and once again when we do broach on the topic of taylor's sexuality we will do it with delicacy her sexuality outside of it her relationship with carly was very very close and obviously more tight-knit than her other relationships particularly with the models during this time and Mm -hmm. as somebody who has lost close friends before it kills you yeah like she had a guest room set up for Carly whenever Carly spent the night like that was Carly's guest room in Taylor's apartment in New York Mm -hmm. and how do you look back at 1989 if you're Taylor Swift and not have that fully tainted there is this quote that I love and it's also sad but it's this quote that says how it ends is how it was and that goes for a lot of things like it goes for good things too If you play a really tough game of basketball, but you win in the end, it doesn't matter how it ends is how it was. You won the game. And that goes for friendships too. how it ends is how it was. You can't think of any of the joy or good times that you had without also thinking about how it's tainted. Right. It's just sad to watch. It is. (laughs) Well, she also has Serena Williams come out on stage at one point. Carly Kloss is there Mm -hmm. with Serena Williams, Kobe Bryant. May he rest Serena in peace. Gomez, I mean, <laughs> her celebrity best friend that has stood the test of time. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is cute, but it's also sad in retrospect. She also had the most sold out performances at the Staples Center, which I think is fun. Kobe Bryant helped her celebrate that. Well, that's awesome. It's just hard. Something that Olivia said when we were watching was that she wondered, and if you're a listener, I want you to think about this too. We like, wonder, what did I say? <laughs> we, we wonder how many of the model type figures were clinging Mm. to Taylor because of her extreme relevancy during this era. Right. And because she met them when she performed for the Victoria's Secret fashion show. And keep in mind, as we're, we're talking about this, we haven't done our deep dive research yet. So this is just our impression before the heavy research I assume that she met them at the Victoria's Secret fashion shows where she performed and she was an up-and-coming like borderline pop star at the time it feels like just looking in and not knowing all the details that 
Taylor feels things deeply. She feels every relationship deeply. If she is your friend, she's fiercely your friend. If she is your lover, she will stand in your corner no matter what. The impression I get, especially knowing that she's not friends with people like Carly anymore, it just feels so uncomfortable to watch them like parade on stage with Taylor and it not be about them chasing a certain level of their own clout. So after the piece about the Carly Cam and stuff, she performs Style. I said this when we were watching it and it holds true. I wonder if she was aware that Harry Styles could very well see this and because she was acting like hypersexualized during this performance. She's wearing this glittery like mini skirt jumpsuit outfit that's super mm-hmm. cute. Also, all of the dancers are wearing Heelys. Yeah, the only note I have for style is Heelys in all caps. They're just rolling around on <laughs> Heelys in suits. It's so funny. I was cackling. I want to be a Taylor Swift backup dancer that just Heelys around while she struts around. Dream job. <laughs> then she does another clip of guest stars after that, which is Fifth Harmony. <laughs> That's so hard to watch now just because we know like the rise and fall of Fifth Harmony yeah, is so devastating. It's so cringy to watch all these celebrity interactions just in general when they used to be like really good buddies. Like even like when we did our research for the Kimye feud, that was hard watching Taylor give a speech, you know, honoring Kanye West just to know where it ended up going after that. Yeah. Like she tried so hard to be genuine on her side. <laughs> Retrospect is crazy. But I mean, Fifth Harmony seemed really excited to be there. Obviously, they're performing to like 70,000 ish people. Camila Cabello, before she was famous, she loved Taylor Swift and One Direction. So it's like mm-hmm. a fangirl's dream come true. There is a line that Taylor says while they're performing or while the performance is going on and in her ITM to the camera, she says, I was just trying to squeeze into Camila's outfit. And that made me so sad because Camila Cabello is beautiful and she's fit and whatever. Taylor Swift is tiny, tiny at this point, And her self-image yeah. is just so it's shot. like peak eating disorder. We were talking pretty excessively throughout it, like knowing what we know from the Miss Americana documentary and how she opened up about her eating disorder during this time and how once she started eating healthy again and performed and she's like, oh wait, you're not supposed to feel like shit after a performance. And so we kept talking, like trying to like, we're watching her during this performance, knowing that she's having this mental and physical struggle. And you know, she probably feels awful. She probably has no energy. She probably feels sick to her stomach. Like that's how I feel when I'm pushing my limits and being hungry. And she's just performing through it. You can't tell on her face at all. You can't tell, but she was literally starving herself and she was exhausted and yeah it's just it's sad yeah I'm glad that she's found a way to be healthier now me too and you can definitely like see it in her body and in the way she acts in the reputation to her yeah she performs this love next which is the first song that she ever actually wrote for 1989 when she wrote it as a poem in October of 2012 and the visuals are angelic and ethereal and it's a really beautiful song. We cover that in our This Love Analysis episode that like, while the lyrics are simplistic, the visuals are gorgeous and it is by its own nature, a sultry, sexy song. Yeah, and 
and the performance was really pretty too. It wasn't one that super stood out to me, not one of my favorites from the tour, but I don't think she had any bad performances on this tour either. <laughs> Agreed. I think that it's just an outstanding tour. She makes a point to shout out her dancers and talk about them after that performance and even has a dance cam where they're wearing cameras so you can see their point of view. And I have so much respect for dancers. Like, I don't know how you do it. I don't understand how dancing works, but it's interesting timing because it gives time for her to change her outfit into this black, like sexy outfit. I'm saying sexy a lot on this episode. And I mean, that's what 1989 was. She was like trying to prove that she was an adult pop star. Which is so funny because reputation is like so much sexier to me. And not just because obviously she has songs like dress. Just I feel like 1989 was her try hard era. She was trying. You could see how much she was trying. Not that Taylor Swift never tries in any era, but she was trying to be the epitome of a pop star. Reputation, she was fueled by real life experiences too, like real love and real intimacy with people. It came from a healthier place. Mm-hmm. She does perform Bad Blood. It's messy. It's choppy. Once again, it's sexy. The male dancers on stage are just like picking her up and being props to her. And mm-hmm. I wish I wish that it had been the Kendrick Lamar version and she had rapped his verses. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, that would have been cool. He should have been a special guest. He should have been. But could you imagine her rapping? Like, instead of doing the did you have to do this? If she's like, remember when you tried to write me off? <laughs> like, <laughs> that would have been so funny. It would have been funny. <laughs> She's in this fit, this like sexy rocker fit, which is the perfect time for perhaps my favorite performance from this tour, which isn't even a song from 1989. And it's We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together. It's probably one of my favorite live performances from her of all time. And you will get to know this conspiracy theory much better when we do an episode completely covering it because we will is my favorite Taylor Swift conspiracy. It's one of my favorite Taylor Swift topics to discuss. And it is the theory of the missing album Karma. And the theory, you know, a general overview is that a album was supposed to come out in 2016 before Kim Ye chased her off the internet and she disappeared for a year. And then release reputation and reputation is an association with only stuff that happened in 2016 and later there's nothing that covers her personal life or not really much that covers her personal life during the 1989 era itself and so there's a theory that there was a different album that was supposed to come out and it was supposed to be a pop rock vibe and this cover or version i guess of we are never ever getting back together is rocker girl vibes. A lot of people have pulled examples from the Red Tour where she flirted with poppy renditions of her songs. And the thought is that she was doing that to kind of see how fans would react to a dial shift. And so I fully buy the theory that her next album was supposed to be a pop rock thing. And she was just playing with that sound with fans. 
Hey, stop right there. If you're listening to this and you're thinking she already announced that there's a song called Karma on the upcoming Midnight's album, which comes out in like a week and a half. Yes, we know that now. When this episode was recorded, we did not know that information. It was about a week before she announced that there was going to be a song called Karma. So if that's what you're thinking, we're ahead of you. All right, continuing on. It's so good. And she's like her vocals. She's doing these random runs. It's rock <laughs> as fuck. Like, And her growls too. Her voice growls so well. And when she says the lyric, indie record that's much cooler than mine, I'm just going to insert a clip, actually. Here we go. So good. So good. My favorite is the bridge part where I used to think that we were forever, ever. incredible and it does feed into the karma theory pretty strongly yeah and she's like playing on the electric guitar instead of her usual acoustic and her outfit is you know all black and it's so good well she takes a left turn after this and performs this beautiful mashup of enchanted and wildest dreams And my only note that I wrote here was, fuck, this is so good. Accurate. (laughs) That's it. That's all I wrote. (laughs) It's one of my favorite costume changes, I think, on this tour. She's wearing this long-sleeved, bedazzled, kind of her skin tone is the fabric with silver bedazzle. And so it looks beautiful. And she has this big, flowy, Speak Now-esque skirt. And she's playing on the piano, singing Wildest Dreams. Then toward the end of Wildest Dreams, she weaves Enchanted in there. So you know, like, fans were just, like, shook the first time they heard that. And she gets up and rips off the skirt and it's this massive like jumpsuit of bedazzled goodness. And it's such a good outfit. And it's just an amazing mashup. And I really want a studio version of it. And you got like the heartbeat that's in Wildest Dreams. It's backing everything. Even it's it's just amazing. It's so good. In this iconic outfit, she goes into Out of the Woods. <laughs> She has like so many mannerisms during this song. And Olivia, my only note is mannerisms. (laughs) Olivia and I have each stolen a mannerism. What's yours? Mine is when she sings, I remember. And she kind of lifts her arm up and points to her head. Like, I remember. It's so dramatic. She flicks her wrist. Salute almost. Yeah. But it's her pointing at her brain about how she remembers. And I know that this is my favorite mannerism because I was drunk at a wedding recently and bullied the DJ to play a bunch of Taylor Swift and I got him to play out of the woods. And I just kept doing that mannerism while I was like, wasty. (laughs) Mine is when she sings, 
you took a Polaroid of us then discovered and she holds her fingers up into this like box and zooms out and then zooms in and I stole that from her I don't even have like good context for when I use it but like if somebody's like let's take a picture my hands just fucking do that like picture a picture a Polaroid of us a Polaroid of us and then we discover like it's so stupid but she's like a robot almost in this song whenever she performs out of the woods it's so dramatic for a song that doesn't feel that dramatic and I think it's because her choreography to it at least during like the verses that we're like referencing these mannerisms she just kind of has a power stance and she does those slow kind of movements with like a quick like adjustment does that make sense it does I don't know if it makes sense to anyone but me in my head it's very strictly it. choreographed but i disagree it's i think beautiful. the song inherently is dramatic the opening the boom oh boom oh is so dramatic yeah but it's not like new romantics oh yeah in terms right. of like perform it being able to perform it dramatically That's so her way of performing slow. it dramatically is more theatrical and it's excellent mm-hmm. and her arms are like flying out like in the clear yet good and her arms are moving with what she's saying it's just it's so good yeah mm. and there's like paper airplanes flying around everywhere you know this girl had a dream about how this song had to be performed or some shit something came to her <laughs> she's a prophet <laughs> well of course she has to finish with like her biggest hit of all time yeah. probably which is shake it off She just looks like she's having so much fun. Something yeah. Olivia said the other day was like, me gets a lot of criticism. Shake It Off gets a lot of criticism. It's got to feel good for Taylor to have a few songs that are just fun. They don't exactly. need to be deep. They're just fun. And my note is like, I don't love this song on its own, but watching her perform it live makes me like it because she looks so happy and like she's having so much fun while doing it. And exactly, I feel the exact same way about me. Like, first time I heard me I was like uh. and then I saw her perform it and she just looks so happy how could I not like something that makes Taylor happy royal sapphire blue outfit mm-hmm. that's got fringe on it and is sparkly like most of her outfits every time she literally shakes it just is so dramatic it's <laughs> so fun she's just having the time of her life the dancers are enjoying themselves and are a lot more loose like it's a really great finale yeah it kind of reminds me of this is why we can't have nice things on the rep tour yeah, which the rep tour performance of this is why we ha- can't have nice things is the reason that I like that song. Yeah. She like screams during this and says, dirty, dirty cheats of the world. And I <laughs> love that. She's Same. just having so much fun. And then that stage, the big long stage begins rotating at what seems like hyperspeed and no it one was going it. so fast. No and was- you and your roommate Rebecca pointed out like, well, Taylor's in the middle, so she's not feeling the, the momentum, but her like professional dancers are on the ends of this like <laughs> stage that's like whirling around. And yeah, I don't like know how fan. they're not falling. And they're dancing. <laughs> Bro. And Taylor is on this stage earlier, um, you know, singing other songs and she's like strapped in like three different ways. But they're having <laughs> such a good time and it's obvious. And I'm glad that she was in the middle. She would have flown off at her own admission. She's clumsy. She would have flown off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then the tour ends and on the screen, it pops up with the line that was also the liner note for Queen, right? Which is the. Yeah. She lost him, but she found herself and somehow that was everything. That's the one. And she included that in. One of the music videos that was about Harry Styles. It was either style or out of the woods. A couple of just things that I noticed about 
this concert movie that I think are is kind of fun. Um, number one, whenever she performed a song, it showed up on neon lights in the corner of the yeah, page that, that like people knew what the song was. Or like font or whatever of the tour. Um, I've seen like Taylor Swift 1989 World Tour t-shirts in that font and stuff. Yeah, she loved the neon lights. And also, this bothers me, the credits go the wrong way at the end. The credits do not move bottom to the top. They move up to, or from the top to the bottom. And it's such a small thing that annoys me. Interesting. <laughs> I that. It literally doesn't matter. It's just me being nitpicky. Um, she has this post concert commentary that she puts in and it breaks my heart. Cause we know we're talking about her eating disorder earlier. She says, um, what am I going to do? Just like hold up and eat carbs now. And it's like, well, I don't have to wear crop tops so I can eat carbs. <laughs> yeah. I'm wearing a crop top right now. And I just ate carbs. <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> it just really shows like how obviously she fell into what we all kind of fell into during this era of the world and society of women dieting and in order to wear crop tops you can't eat before you go out and it's really noticeable as I feel like during modern times at least on my TikTok I'm following a lot of girls that are like this is what I look like before I eat and this is what I look like after I've nourished my body and they have a belly because that's just how bodies work mm-hmm. and we're becoming more and more aware of how things like the Victoria's Secret fashion show in 2013 inherently like damaged our self-image of ourselves and so we are noticing these cries for help from Taylor basically oh yeah retrospect always hindsight's 2020 the creator I think you're specifically referring to is at Clara and herself on TikTok and she does that Mm -hmm. she does the before I eat after I eat which is great and one time she said this line where she said if food takes up space outside of your body it's going to take up space inside your body and that changed me because obviously it does but you don't think about that when you're looking at your bloated belly after having pasta but if food takes up space outside your body it will take up space inside your body Yeah. And it's because stuff like that isn't normalized or especially during this era of 1989, not just because of Taylor. um, It wasn't normalized. Like we were watching models, the Victoria's Secret fashion show that had glorified eating disorders and exercising disorders. Well, after the carbs comment, she's playing with her cats and it comes up on screen (laughs) saying no cats were harmed in the making of this tour just one pop star cats have so much attitude and that line is because she's like holding her two cats and I don't know her cats well enough at this point to know who is who she has a Meredith and an Olivia at this point in her life she has not gotten her cat Benji yet but she's holding both of them up and one of them is like bunny kicking her arm aggressively and so that's why she's just one pop star got hurt no cats Critics loved this. Critics loved this tour. It was called Polished Pop Perfection. People loved that she gave wristbands out to people in the audience that synced up with her songs, which was so clever. Yeah. And that's um, a small piece of like tidbit info that people are heavily speculating there's going to be a Midnight's tour because she's trademarked stuff for glow bracelets, apparently. Some critics didn't like the kitschiness of it. Like when she acts with this... I'm your friend, Taylor Swift. Like when she says, a year ago, I put out an album called 1989. Some critics didn't like the way she tried to downplay herself. And Mm -hmm. as fans, it comes off as endearing, like, oh, she wants to be relatable to us. But critically and to the general population, it just looks like she's being 
like humble braggy, I guess. That's the understanding that I get from reading reviews from people who aren't right. fans and are critics. There were some people who I know who said that they could feel cynicism in what she was saying. And I don't think that that's true, but it did garner criticism on a few different reviews that I saw. Interesting. And here's a line from this review. Pop stars don't have to be good role models, but Swift takes her responsibility seriously. And there must be parents who are grateful to her for it. The earnestness extends to the rest of her performances. I don't think she's out there being like, don't let shit talkers get to you because she's trying to necessarily be a good role model. It's her pulling from her personal experiences, literally. She just came out of her red era where all critics could say is Taylor Swift likes to date boys. She's just sad. Don't date Taylor Swift. She'll write a song about you. And that hurt her feelings. She talks mm. about what she feels. Well, this tour did win a few awards. It won the best U.S. act at the MTV Europe Music Awards. It won the best tour of the iHeartRadio Music Awards. And it won the tour of the year for the Polestar Awards. And it was nominated for six others, including Teen Choice Awards, Billboard Awards, etc. So it was well-received. People loved this tour. Again, in retrospect, kind of sad, because we know, like, yeah, more details behind more details about who doors. her life at the time. But Olivia, I want to ask you what your favorite performance was from this tour. I think I know what it is, but I'm gonna ask anyway. We are never ever getting back together. For sure. Absolutely, same. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. If I had to pick a backup, it probably would be Enchanted Wildest Dreams. And it does kill me that New Romantics isn't my favorite, but it's up there. It's in my like top four. I mean, it's good. It's just it wasn't kind of groundbreaking, I guess. Yeah, it was cool that it was number two, even though it was a bonus mm -hmm. track. I knew your trouble was also an honorable mention for sure. Absolutely. What was your least favorite? Like, which could you cut? I wouldn't call it my least favorite, but least memorable is probably how you get the girl. It just felt really juvenile in comparison to the rest of the tour. It wasn't bad by any means, but it felt really out of place to me. It felt like it belonged under the red tour or something. I say that as someone who has never watched the red tour, but it gives me red vibes. <laughs> I feel that way about I wish you would, I think. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't really stand out much at all. The most interesting part of that performance for me were the dancers in the background on the monkey bars. <laughs> Again, none of these are bad. This was an excellent tour all around. There was not a standout. That yeah, wasn't She's good. an amazing performer. Every performance she does is awesome. If you could have picked a featured guest of the ones who did show up, which one would you have wanted to be there for? Selena Gomez. Yeah? Yeah, or Nick Jonas, but Selena Gomez, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. What about you? I mean, that's what went to my brain immediately. But for the sake of us not having the same answer, <laughs> I would probably say see you again with Wiz. Oh, but yeah. Tenerife Sea is one of the most beautiful songs Ed Sheeran's ever released. Right. And that was on her like first show with Las Vegas in May of 15. And that would have been insane to see, like bringing out Definitely. a guest. No one knew that that was going to happen yet. And it's one of Ed's most beautiful songs. I'd be pissed if she brought out her model friends at my show. Yeah, only I, The only reason why I wouldn't be upset is if I was really into her personal life at the time, which I wasn't. Mm -hmm. So that's the 1989 world tour. It was amazing. It was beautiful. It was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And I am just, I'm so anticipating Midnight's and hoping that it's like a dark version of 1989. That's really all I want. Yeah, I think that would be awesome. I'm really anticipating the upcoming album in tandem with the hopefully upcoming tour, if rumors are correct. Only I, I am a bit terrified. 
just because Danny and I have never seen Taylor Swift in concert. So it's it means even more to us to try and make it happen. So I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared too, but fingers crossed. And hey, some some seasoned Swifties that have been to every tour are like, hey, don't worry. You just have to be smart. What did you Taylor? What did I Taylor? Man, the person that came up with this thing, I sure as hell forget about it. I tailored that Dirk Bentley was the performer in Kansas City. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Dirk Bentley. Oh, we didn't mention this. I knew about her Olaf costume in her last performance. She had the special guest, uh, Idina Menzel, and they performed Let It Go while Taylor was dressed up as Olaf. But that was information I knew. Oh. I knew that. It's just like I'm scrolling through these things. and Also, just a couple things we forgot to mention. This tour went from May to October of 2015 in contrast to the Red Tour, which lasted well over a year. That's crazy, the difference in times yeah. that this tour was. And the openers, which we forgot to mention, were Vance Joy, who had previously opened for Ed Sheeran on a tour I went to in 2013, Heyo, and Sean Mendez, who was on his rise. And on a few of the shows, Haim also opened. I feel like what I learned is a lot of the special guests that she did have, like Serena Williams, Fetty Wap. I didn't know that she had Fetty Wap. <laughs> I didn't know she had Avril Lavigne and they performed Complicated. That's fun. Yeah. So I just, a bunch of people that were surprising to me that she pulled up on stage, like Nelly, Pitbull, Rookie Martin. <laughs> what are we talking about next week? Next week is exciting because you know what next week is. I know what next week Midnight's is. Midnight's release. So we're going to come at you with a really lighthearted hype episode. It'll be our first Tipsy Swifty episode. Mm-hmm. In anticipation for Midnight's, we are going to be uh, discussing all of Taylor Swift's middle of the night, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., Midnight's references, and we will be making themed cocktails to enjoy while we discuss. So if you have any talking tips that you want us to discuss next week, let us know. We're going to have so much fun. (laughs) I am super excited. We've kind of had this idea of doing tipsy episodes for a while we originally wanted to start with something else but with midnight's coming we figure it's the perfect thing to do to celebrate two days before its release and honestly i personally could not be more excited but for this week my name's danny this is olivia and we will catch you next time